Oh, man, it's so nice to get out in the fresh air. I'm really enjoying this walk. Yeah, it's a lovely day, isn't it? It is. The birds are singing. The trees are singing. <laughs> what a lovely day. I've never been here either. Is that... That's a cave over there. Oh, I love caves. Do you want to go explore a cave? Yeah, all right. I'd love to. Come on, let's go have a look. That's quite dark, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. I wonder how far this goes. Echo, echo, echo. No bats. In the in in the movies, you always get bats. Yeah. Is that a light down at the end, though? Why does there be a light in a cave? Well, it doesn't... Do you see it, though? There is a light, look. Is there? Yeah, I can't... I don't see it. I want to check this out. It's definitely, yeah, no, 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 look, it's getting bigger. I don't see anything over here. Yeah, no. definitely, down here, come on. Do you want to stop? No, no, I have to see this. Do you want to I, I have to see this. It's so bright, I can't make it out. What is it? It's, it's... The Hypotheticals Podcast. I was wondering is what would happen if everyone in the world woke up one day and they were invisible? Literally everyone. Everyone. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you right there and ask you one question because not everyone in the world wakes up at the same time. Right. There's time differences. Okay. So is it a case of there's an instant and bam, everyone's invisible or is it like, you know, it goes country to country sort of... Oh, it follows the time zone. Um... Let's say it's instantaneous. Okay, because yeah. that, that's almost less interesting, because I feel like if it was on the news, an invisible newsreader, <laughs> right, just like a blank desk, and it's explaining that people in Australia or whatever should watch out, because in approximately seven hours, it might strike. Oh, that's, that's true. Mm, like a tidal wave. Mm. Okay, but, but if it happened instantaneously, yeah. then although some people would be asleep, other people would just be doing it in the middle of daily chores and stuff, yeah. and just turn invisible. I quite like that. I'm wondering what, um, like, what situations would be most horribly affected, right? So, like, a mm. plane, you can keep flying a plane even if you're invisible. In fact, you can see the controls even better. Yeah. <laughs> no stupid hands to get in the way. Exactly. But yeah. some, like, surgery becomes very difficult. Surgery is very difficult. <laughs> Suddenly, you know. Yeah. We're going for a heart transplant? Well... <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think I left it over here. Let me just... Uh, oh, no, no, okay. That's, that was a bucket of scalpels. Why do we even have this? I think I'm bleeding. I can't tell, but it hurts rather a lot. The scalpels aren't invisible, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot how this worked. Uh, but yes, like surgery is one of the things which I think would be really badly affected, as well as um, the hairdressers. Oh, my. Oh, no. Imagine getting a haircut where you can't see the hairdresser, and the hairdresser can't see you. It begs the question of if this was an ongoing condition, right? Because mm. obviously if you're in the hairdressers when it strikes, you'd probably scream and run out or whatever. But it, say you're invisible long term, after a couple of months, your hair's getting in your eyes. You're going to have yeah. to do something about it. Yeah. So what do you do? You go well, to the hairdressers. I suppose you have to cut your hair yourself. Hairdressers would have a severe downturn in business. That is true. Because who needs hairstyling when... when no one can see you anyway to when appreciate no one can see it. You. And I think in this scenario, I'd have it so that... Uh, when people go invisible, all their clothes, anything that's on them, mm. not part of themselves, remains visible. Right, because that's one of the key questions for mm. invisibility powers. So, well, hang on. That means that if you had your hair dyed, it would be yeah. visible. Or does that count as being within the hair? Um, because you could get your hair dusted, perhaps? I think dusted, yeah. I'm not sure about dye. No. But, but oh yeah, maybe if, maybe sales of, like, 
face paint would go through the roof. Right, makeup and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, everyone... I, I wonder what sort of new fashions it would breed. Would you, everyone just go full clown? Or <laughs> would, it, would they do the same makeup? But just you, people who go for subtle makeup, you'd, just, you'd see a bit of mascara and, like, some light foundation. Yeah, or would they about. Yeah, go for full face and exactly. just try and as faithfully recreate the face that they had or have? Or improve it. Yeah. You know, whatever direction they want to take that, it's up to them. You want to be a tiger? Well, you can, buddy. Nobody can see what you are under there. This would be a boon to furries, I'll tell you that much. That's true. Yeah, suddenly unencumbered mm. by the uh, physical appearance of their human forms. Also, criminals would would benefit. <laughs> that is, is probably more important. Yeah, yeah. because police... Oh, uh, we'll, we'll just chase this suspect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. He's, he's, he appears to have stripped nude and... Yes, that's it. <laughs> people would call in, like, you know, there's an exhibitionist in the park, he's flashing people. They'd never track him down. He just drops the trench coat and runs. It's fine. Yeah. There could be exhibitionists in parks, and no one would ever know. You know what? That's quite great, though, isn't it? Because... Well, is it? <laughs> okay, listen, I don't know. Maybe this is a bad thing to say, but I guess it depends. Okay, like, predators... It's an issue if you can't see them coming. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's some crimes, it's, it's awful. But people whose whole jam is exposing themselves and freaking people out, you, you can't freak people out like that anymore. You know what I mean? You'd have to expose something else. Exposing you, that's nothing. The inside what you'd of have to do is get some makeup and, you know, put it on. Right. And then expose yourself. You're right. There is an, e- an easy solution. And yeah. they probably would go that extra mile. I mean, that is their kink, so... Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, crime, CCTV cameras wouldn't work. Useless. Imagine border control. I'll just take your passport photos. (laughs) (laughs) Or like those newfangled gates, they probably spent I don't know how much, the electronic ones that like facial recognition. Yeah. I suppose what might happen is that everywhere starts using like thermal imaging. Yeah, just heat sensitive everywhere. Mm. Anyway. Mm. Which means that anything the shape of a human and the approximate thermal signature of a human would be able to, you know, move about society perfectly normally. Wow. Brings us back to those, uh, those, those aliens and the Brexit. I mean, think of all the aliens that could get past border control posing as humans you can't see. Well, the aliens aren't invisible, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're trying to do there, sir. But I'm afraid you fall at the first hurdle, but you are clearly an alien. I'm not very good at this. Um, hmm. But yeah, strip clubs. Oh, suddenly purposeless. So, so pointless. But phone sex operators, very popular, right? Very it's kind popular. of the same experience. Mm. I wonder what things would become, like, better. Radio is suddenly... Well, I don't know, because Hollywood has the money for proper makeup. Like, you can reconstruct mm. what people looked like before with prosthetics and Yeah, or even just um, CGI. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, I think safety would be a major concern if this was long term. Mm. I'm wondering how many people would see it as a sudden boon. Like, if you're, it, it levels the playing field. If you've been considered unattractive historically, it doesn't matter anymore. You're fine. You are, you know, you're just as attractive as anyone else. Assuming we don't go down that everyone wears makeup route. And even then, you can do a lot. Mm. Well, there, there would still be a certain amount of that, like, blind people still have preferences for example. That's true, what I assume. But they have to touch you to find out. Yes, that's so, the major thing. Yeah, they can't use Tinder to find out. I'd like to <laughs> Imagine hear... Tinder. For, for the Tind- blind. Tinder just... is going to go downhill. Yeah, seriously downhill. Well, either people would just use old photos of themselves, so everyone just looks younger mm. and then just isn't when you meet them. But does it matter anymore? I but mean... it would be immediately, you know, uh, destroyed because you could use pictures of anyone and no one would ever know. Oh, God. So no one would trust Tinder anymore. That's true. Would anyone trust anything? I don't think so. How much trust can you have 
I guess, like, you're going to know that your spouse is your spouse because their voice mm. and stuff they say. But in many scenarios, people could just swap. My mother is a twin. And this, this will become relevant, I promise you. Okay. In a moment. Um, she has done a thing with her twin sister. They're not together that often, but when they are, they've done a thing where one of them will be on the phone and will get bored of the conversation with whoever they're talking to and will pass the phone to the other <laughs> and will just continue. And their voices are not completely identical. I mean, I can tell them apart, but you, you kind of have to know them to be able to. So suddenly everyone's invisible. They can just do that. People can just swap. Like, it wouldn't matter. Like, do you know that the vice-chancellor is presiding over graduation? No, you just know someone wearing her gown is. Mm. Yeah, the murders by imposters might go up. Through the roof. A lot, yeah. Tenfold, hundredfold. Yeah, yeah. Murders in general, I think. Everyone's invisible. Theft, murder, that becomes a lot easier. Unless it's, it's just thermal, like, heat detectors everywhere. Mm. Unless the government institutes some kind of thing where you have to have a scan of your face in, let's say, X-ray or not X-ray, but thermal imaging. And then mm. you need to wear that. And it's compulsory. <laughs> like a reverse of the laws on wearing motorcycle helmets in banks, for example. Yes. Yeah. You have to obscure your face with a mock-up of your face. Yeah. And it's got a special, you know, um, like uh, pound notes, mm. like, like 20 pound notes. They've got the, the security thing on it. It's got right. one of those on to make sure that it's real. What, you mean like if you hold it up to the light, you can see the queen's <laughs> face through it? Is that what you mean? Just so that people can't steal someone else's face and wear that. Well, why couldn't they do that though? Well, because it would have like a, a unique ID thing. Right. But or I mean... it's got acid in it and it recognises your DNA profile and burns your face. Oh, wow. Now we're getting seriously, like, super villainy. Well, it would be like, um, what do they have in ATMs, right? You, if you try and break into it, it will just dispense ink over all the banknotes and render them useless. Right, so it dispenses ink over your face. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, you, but what acid, whatever, you just get seared. Oh, and then the, every criminal who's done it is marked permanently. But actually, they kind of go in for that, though, right? Don't they? There's a thing, like, like in Men in Black, they burn off their fingerprints so that they yeah. can no longer leave. They burn off your face. Yeah. And <laughs> now you could be anyone, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> off your face. It's like layers. It's it's a babushka doll of criminality because you're wearing a mask, but then underneath you're invisible. And then underneath that, you have no facial features. So many layers. Yeah, truly the invisible man. Also, looking after small children would be a nightmare. Oh, God. I think the human race might die because you just lose them. That's true. There'd be a generation you just could not keep track of. You'd have to keep them on those leashes, maybe, those toddler things. You'd have to use them, like, until the age of 15. Yeah, toddler leashes would go up in cells. 15? I don't know. At what age do you have to stop watching a child constantly? Maybe About a bit earlier. 10. But on the other hand, what kind of insane teenage misdemeanors would kids get up to if they were all invisible? You need to think about the psychological impact. Mm. Buying alcohol would be very easy underage. God, yeah. There's no way you can just tell a bouncer to check people's, like appearance mm. there's no way everyone would have to carry around some sort of id card shoplifting would be so much easier yeah there are quite few bonuses to this oh apart from uh race discrimination would would decrease that is true. not completely because people would probably still discriminate on just based on voice or something that's true they'd find ways they sure. find ways but yeah that'll be way down that's true yeah so i mean there's you know the world's first invisible president of the united states <laughs> Is it a man? Is it a woman? We don't know. <laughs> but we're jolly glad to have them. They only give speeches through this transcoder, like, you can't tell what that voice is. It could be anyone. 
I like that. You could manufacture your first politician properly, like mm. in the way that presumably Donald Trump has been made in a lab. But I, I don't know that he has a real shot at the presidency. At least I hope not. But you could, you could genuinely get a candidate so anonymous Ooh, they I don't just, really exist. I just thought of something quite grim. They could start using. Uh, was it Donald the, Trump? No, yeah. the invisibility thing. Oh wait, no, it wouldn't work that way. I was thinking. They could take the skin of humans and, and put it over like tanks and things to make them invisible. But I realised that it, w- it would be invisible, so you just see a normal tank. <laughs> yeah, although, although, right, the mechanics of invisibility. Mm. If you eat a sandwich, yeah, is a mushed-up sandwich now floating around oh. in the air, right? At what point does food become you? If you say no, well, the food is you once it's in your stomach. Then okay, but does a packet of drugs that I ingest and subsequently expel for the duration that it's inside me, is it also invisible? Is there just like a barrier once something goes in the mouth? It's invisible, you know? Mm. How does it work? I don't know. I but don't. I'd quite like it if there wasn't, if it stayed visible, like food going through you. Right, until it was absorbed into the blood. Until it's, like yeah, some. absorbed into the, the gut. But think about it, you're just going to see a load of floating digestive tracts. Yeah. At least the second half. Yeah, yeah you seem excited by this. Yeah, you just see, just see a lot of poo. Yeah. Floating around in the air. Do you know, I think that would... That would be good for people's humility. There's mm. a certain zen to accepting that fact. It's like the, um, imagine everyone in your audience has a hole in their sock, but sort of in reverse. Like, mm. be aware that at all times, people can see your poo. Yeah. That's just a given. Oh, imagine how cool people with bionic enhancements would look. Oh my god. Like, people with metal hips, like hip bone replacements. Yeah. pacemakers. Yeah, pacemakers. They would look incredible. They'd look great even if they were just translucent, to be honest, mm. like in the fleshy regions. But then they had these, these robot parts. Yeah. I'm just imagining people on crutches walking around. And it's just crutches it's sort just of cr- <laughs> around held objects, right? Presumably they remain visible. Yeah. But if things you eat are invisible, then something cupped within your hands, such that your hands obscure it, is that now invisible? I don't know. It's tough. Maybe right? it's if it's beneath the skin, in which case... The, the invisible tank with human skin would work. Would work. Maybe it has to be living skin. Maybe it's a property of living tissue. Yeah. At which point your lab guys go nuts and start <laughs> trying to grow. I mean, we can make an ear on the back of a rat. I'm guessing you could create a huge tarpaulin of living human skin. Doesn't have to live, live forever, just long enough to sneak behind enemy lines and surprise them with your invisible tank. <laughs> which I gather is, is how Hitler invaded France. Really? Well, a similar fashion. My understanding is the French built a war. And mm. he went around. But the effect was the same. Tanks showing up where you don't expect them. I think perhaps a different different level of strategy, I would say. Well, maybe. You know, <laughs> going round a wall mm. versus making a giant tarpaulin out of invisible <laughs> human skin and draping it over a tank. But it's a question of expectations, isn't it? I mean, no slur on the French commanders at the time. I'm sure they thought they were acting very sensibly, but they, they did build a quite short wall along a section of the French border mm. um, with Germany and expected that to stop the Germans. And my understanding is there was a forest at the end of the war and they were like, that's fine. They're never coming through that. There's too many trees. Yeah. There's no way. And they built smaller tanks and simply came through the trees. So it's a matter of magic is just the unexpected, right? A tank showing up in your back garden is magical, if you weren't expecting it. I think there's a beauty to that. Certainly if it, if it just pops into existence from behind the tent of human skin. <laughs> Someone just tears this tarpaulin off and ha-ha, problemo. <laughs> but I reckon the entertainment sector is one we haven't thought of, because, I mean, right down to the basic level, we're used to seeing humans 
perform amazing feats, right? Yeah. Circuses, acrobats, like the Olympics, all of sport. It involves watching people do cool things. And a Mexican wave looks very cool when you've got all these people waving, but it becomes completely useless if you can't see all of these people. But you could do some pretty crazy things if the people themselves were invisible, but the objects they were manipulating weren't. That's true. So if everyone's holding, you know, a piece of coloured card or something, you could still do a Mexican wave. Yeah. But just make it look awesome. Right. They already do it, right? Didn't the Chinese do it at the Olympics or That's whatever? true with light and it was all dark. Yeah. yeah. But also, with football, <laughs> I quite like it if football was completely unpredictable. Because you couldn't see... If they, if they did it naked so that they were invisible, right. and you couldn't see them at all. Take it back it to ancient Greek be... times. All athletes must be nude at all times. <laughs> yeah. So the ball would just be bouncing around the field. Like a pinball. Yeah. And you'd have no idea what was going on. I would love to see the commentators cope with that. Oh. It'd be great. They'd be like, well, it's a, I, I assume that was Ronaldo. Great Ooh, kick, anyway. Great kick. Bad slide tackle there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's probably a foul. I mean... The refs put up a red card, so... <laughs> Someone has, anyway. There is a red card. <laughs> it might be the ref. I'm not sure. It might just be an avid fan with a pack of red cards. And acting, right? You would no longer see nuanced facial expressions, right? So much of the actor's trade goes out the window. But on the other hand unconventional, well, unconventional, like, to us unconventional, but historically quite relevant forms, like, I think it was no actors in Japan, they used masks, or some forms of, like, the ancient Greek chorus. Ancient Greek with all the masks, yeah. yeah. And additionally, it would be a bit like reverting to the opposite of what we used to have with film. So instead of silent films with just visuals, we would just have, um, just sound. Radio. You, you describe the concept of radio. Well, yes, but... It would be in a film format. So you, you'd see you'd see all the visuals, you'd see the landscapes, you'd see everything, you'd see the costumes the characters were wearing, but you wouldn't see them. Oh, I see. So the best, vo- the best voice actors would get main parts in film roles. That would be quite interesting. And you, you might end up with a weird scenario where older people who've just been in the business longer and have trained their voices just keep all the best like there's no such thing as well you're no longer a 20 something heartthrob you can't be the leading man in our movie it'd just be like no i don't care i'm 95 but my voice is incredible <laughs> yeah and, and you could you could literally just cgi everything andy, um, andy circus would do amazingly well my god i mean he already is but even more so he'd be every character <laughs> i would like that i would like to see a film that is just 100 percent andy circus yeah, he plays every character. Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> Male, female, whatever. Well, he's good at um, he's just good at those movements, right? Yeah. I would like to see him do a fantasy epic, right? I would like to see a Lord of the Rings style thing, all these different races, different sizes, different, you know. And it's just it's just him. It's just, he does a golem. Now he's a giant lumbering around. Now he's a dragon, and but he does the golem voice for all of them. <laughs> every single one every character they go Andy could you perhaps change it up a bit we, we, we know you can do Gollum quite well but we just wanted a different one for this 40 foot giant <laughs> nasty filthy directors <laughs> yeah. that's how he talks in everyday life I can only assume yeah it was it was too perfect as a thing Gollum was too real so I think he like the game is up for Andy Serkis we now know what he's really like mm. and the rest of it's just an act Harry Potter. Everybody knows Harry Potter. Everyone knows the films and the books. They're this whole phenomenon, this whole world, and there's a lot of problems with it. 
Really? I feel. Yeah, I think so. But it's the perfect book series, Adriano. <laughs> there are no problems with Harry Potter, Adriano. You're right. It's too. It's made so much money. It has to be infallible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's the no rules. problems with it. it. It's you know the world of fantasy. It's wizards and things, and they 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 play a sport on broomsticks. That is true. If that's not perfection, I don't know what is. Well, let's talk about that sport for a second, because I think even diehard Potter fans will admit that there is a lot wrong with Quidditch. Are they people who like both Die Hard and Harry Potter? <laughs> or who enjoy the um, the crossover fan fiction that I'm sure exists somewhere on the internet. It must be. Definitely. But Quidditch, right? So you have... Uh, what is it? I'm, I'm going to make mistakes now, and angry nerds are going to write to me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, I bring it on, say I. I believe there's... How many people per team? Was it seven per team? I think. Three chasers, one keeper, one seeker, and two... What are the bludger guys called? Um... Batters? No. That's... that's Blodgers. Blodgers. Codgers. We've fallen at the first hurdle. I can't even remember how Quidditch works. We'll call them the Weasleys, because that's who it was on the Gryffindor team. Beaters. Beaters, thank you. I wasn't that far of batters. Okay, so it's seven per team, and three of those are concerned essentially with playing... Four of them, because the keeper two, are concerned with playing uh, basketball in the air. Yeah. With three hoops and yeah. boomsticks. Okay, and that's all well and good. Like, I can see where she's she's gone from a solid base. The issue you run into... Um, apart from the fact that basketball in the air would be just friggin' insane. Mm-hmm. Apart from anything you can't else, bounce it for one thing. Exactly, you can't dribble and there's no travelling rule because you're on a broomstick. Yeah. So unless you have to stop perfectly stationary every time you catch the quaffle, I don't understand why you would ever pass. <laughs> it's like netball. <laughs> right, exactly. But that's the only way it would work, right? You'd have to bewitch the broomstick or something yeah. because if you can just travel with the ball, you would catch the quaffle and then just rock it through one of the hoops. Mm. Right? And if the keeper tries to stop you, I mean, it can't be a foul if you're going at full speed and a dude just dives in front of you. So that would be my strategy. But better yet, don't even have the three chasers, because what's one goal with a quaffle worth? Can you remember? Ten. Exactly. How much if you catch the snitch? 150? Right. So 15 goals. Yeah. One snitch, right? That's the exchange rate. And the game ends when you catch the snitch. Exactly. So what that means is you put three people on guarding the rings duty, just one per ring, yep. okay, and nothing's getting through there, so the enemy team can't score like 25 goals, and then everyone else is just looking for the snitch, mm. and there's no way one seeker's going to beat you to it. You just have to dodge bludgers. I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, it, it does seem pointless, because like the one time where someone caught the snitch and mm-hmm. didn't win the game was in the uh, World Cup, I think it was in the fourth or fifth book. That's right. Um, and that was a remarkable event. It was seen as something amazing because this had happened. Yeah. Because they caught the snitch, but they hadn't won. So what is the point in the people who just throw the ball through the hoops? They must feel so dispirited because no matter how hard they try, 99 times out of 100, they will they will have no impact on the results of the game whatsoever. Exactly. And you can see why she's done it. It makes a lot of sense, right? Because Harry, as like the ultimate wunderkind, is our hero, and he has to walk into a team at the tender age of 11 when he's not even allowed to and then Mm. become its hero instantaneously and the way you do that is by crafting a position that wins every game by himself irrespective of what everyone else is doing in a team game ostensibly yeah so that's that's quidditch out the way i think there is there is a slight problem the other issue i have is is the issue of spectating quidditch and they they she goes some way to um and no 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 real slur on jk rowling like we we mock um, 
in a, in a jovial fashion, because I, I think they are... I loved the series when I first read them. Oh, yeah. When I was growing up, they were great. They're fantastic, but there are many logical issues. And one of the issues is Quidditch as a spectator sport, because they have those uh, binocular-type things, I can't remember what they're called in the fourth book, for the World Cup, and they allow you to slow down and see things close up and stuff. But as a rule, you see all Harry's classmates in the films piling into this weirdly-shaped stadium to watch these people that are about, you know, 50 to 100 metres above them. Yeah. Nobody can see what's going on. It's awful. Yeah, it's... they're above them, and yet they are in massive towers. Yeah. Like, like huge towers. I, I dread to think how Dumbledore got up there, because he's an old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of stairs for he old Dumbledore. Probably just apparated, because he doesn't care. He's no, the you, only can, one. you can't apparate on Hogwarts grounds. Dumbledore can, though. That's one of the things the internet goes on about. I'm pretty sure in, is it the sixth film? He just apparates. And people make, you know, comics, like, you know. But so, I thought you couldn't operate within the score grounds. I do whatever the hell I want, Harry. <laughs> because he just does. He does whatever he wants. And apparently what he wants is for, and this is the Triwizard Tournament I'm talking about, so still book four. What he wants is to build a whole stadium around the lake, or possibly just move the Quidditch Stadium there, mm. such that people can watch for an hour the undisturbed surface of the lake. <laughs> because, because we should explain... In the Triwizard Tournament, Harry yes. and some other lucky contest- unlucky contestants, really, yeah. have to dive into this lake and retrieve something. I can't remember what it is. It's their... Um, the, the egg gives them the clue that it's their, the most the thing most precious to them has been stolen by the Merfolk. Oh, yeah. It turns out to be the person most precious to them. So it's either a sibling, a friend, or a girlfriend. Yeah. So, yeah, they just dive into this lake. And that's it. It's not really a great spectator sport, no, is it? That is it for an hour. What happens is you see them arrive and one of them turns himself into a, like gives himself a shark head, two people put bubbles around their heads, Harry eats some strange drugs and then just dives <laughs> in. But then you see nothing for an hour and then they emerge one after another. Everyone's been patiently waiting. And then Dumbledore goes over and talks to the king of the merfolk for a while who then explains what actually happened because there's no other way of observing this <laughs> trial and it's just the worst thing ever conceived. You'd think if they had planned to have this as a spectator sport, they could have put some effort in. They could have built an arena which is around the area of the of the lake, but mm-hmm. underground. Right. So it forms the walls and it's all glass panels. Like a SeaWorld tank. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look in. Exactly. Or God, there's just got to be better ways. I realise they don't have cameras or mm. submarines, but some magical equivalent, you know? They have moving pictures, like yeah. photos, paintings, they all move, but nobody in the Wizarding World seems to have come up with a screen, like yeah. as a means of displaying information, except for that strange handwritten billboard they have at the World Cup. So a lot a lot missing. You think at the very least they could have found a way to make the water transparent so you could see through it? Yes, Exactly. Something. And then, you know, with binoculars or whatever, you'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, shocking. And actually, I think that leads us on to um, technological development in general, right? We've said they have no screens, but more than that, they have no electricity. They have parchment, which is not even paper. It's, what is it, dried animal skin or something? Um, possibly, yeah. Something like that. And and quills, not the most efficient form of pen. I don't know what century they stopped in, but it's, it's a, several hundred years ago, I think. You'd think when Harry moves there... And, you know, with his knowledge of the muggle world, Mm. that he would have gone, hang on, guys, I'm not writing with a quill on some (laughs) parchment. I'll buy some biros. I've got a biro. Mm. And they'd have gone, oh, yeah, maybe we should have done that with with all of these muggle-born wizards that we have who just refuse blankly to ever incorporate any of the useful technologies into the wizarding world. Yeah. 
I realise it was written in the 90s. I don't think it would work now because 11-year-olds already have smartphones now. Which is basically magic. Yes. It's ent- I, you would take one of those to Hogwarts and you would be king. <laughs> because they, they've never seen YouTube. They don't understand what instant messaging... Are you an owl that gets there immediately and you carry it in your pocket? Are you mad? Yeah. It's insane. And, I mean, you can just find the answers to questions. Like, every time they're like... So the first book, a major plot point, for those who don't know it... Um, I guess mine a spoiler, but no, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. It's going to be fine. <laughs> a you spoiler can... for Harry Potter, yeah. I think you're safe. I'm not even going to spoil it, okay? Snake kills Dumbledore. My God, no, what have you done? <laughs> but in the first one, before that's happened, um, a major plot point is them trying to find the identity of Nicholas Flamel. Um, and they don't know who it is. They keep trying to trick, I think, Hagrid into telling them, hmm. and they spend countless hours in the library searching through dusty old tomes, and if they had Google, hmm. then they would, you know... Well, okay, to be fair, Google might not know about wizards, so I do see a slight flaw That's there. True. They could have a wizarding equivalent of Google, surely. They could, if they tried. I'm trying to think of what it would be called. Bing. Bing, perfect. That's what Bing is. It's actually the wizarding equivalent of Google. I like that. No, I know. But, but without the know-how, you never know to search for the right things to find it. Right, And that's who's keeping it going, because I don't know who willingly uses Bing. That's true. So presumably you just you have to use it on an Xbox or whatever, and just people who never install Chrome, they just stick with the Internet Explorer default, maybe. But also Wizards. That's the primary... Prime market, Wizards. Yeah, exactly. So technology is an issue in Harry Potter, and in fact there there is... They refer to him as Science Wizard, I think, on Tumblr, at least in the posts I've seen. There is one wizard in the... Is it the Leaky Cauldron or some establishment, right? In one of the films, I forget which, and he's reading a book by Stephen Hawking, and everyone's blown away because, in general, and he's just he just appears for a few frames. He's just a background guy. He's just what he's doing is he's reading a brief history of time or something, and he's stirring his coffee right by waggling his finger over the cup, and the spoon is just going around by itself. Mm-hmm. And people have made gifts of this. And gone nuts on the internet. Because not only does this wizard know about science, which most (laughs) wizards categorically deny or ignore, but he's performing wandless magic as if it's nothing while doing something else. And wandless magic is a big deal in Harry Potter, right? Because it's it's supposed to be impossible. Very, very difficult. I think Voldemort does it and Dumbledore do it. And that is about it. Okay. So, so science wizard is just top of the game, and you never even hear about him. He's presumably the most powerful person in the world. It's because he's managed to combine his knowledge of physics with his knowledge of magic, and it somehow made him a super powerful wizard. The ultimate combination. And I, I want to hear about this guy's adventures, because it bothers me that so much of the wizarding world, even Dumbledore, who is the epitome of wisdom within the books, uh, is just, it's just dumb, because they haven't employed basic muggle stuff. Right, into transport, into communication, just electricity, guys. Just electricity. It's kind of a big deal. And why don't you have it? Because there is exactly one wizard only community. Which is, um, oh, Hogsmeade. Exactly. Yeah, and everyone else has to mingle. Right. So, how do you live next door to muggles and not think to yourself, huh, have you noticed? They have lights outside their house and even inside their house that they, they don't appear to employ flame. <laughs> And they don't know magic. How is this happening? Yeah, I think it's just that wizards are so self-absorbed. Like, even muggle-born wizards must just, once they get to the wizard or witching stage, just like, nope. Yeah, done. I'm I'm done. It's like converting to a strange cult. You don't want to associate outside of it. You leave your, your family behind. Either that or my other theory is that 
magical ability correlates with some sort of strange um, brain damage. Mm, so selective amnesia. Yes, a just a sort of like a, a collective delusion that nothing non-magical is important. Maybe the whole wizarding thing is just a collective delusion. Ooh, deep. So they're not actually casting magic. Mm. They're all in an insane asylum called Hogwarts. <laughs> Harry receives the letter at the age of 11, but it's actually he's being committed. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he, he has to go to Hogwarts. But so, he invents this elaborate premise so that he, he doesn't have to cope with it. I like that. Dumbledore would be like the um, his psychiatrist, mm -hmm. presumably. Voldemort is either, I don't know, perhaps someone who traumatised him in early childhood? Possibly. Or just like a boogeyman, something he's scared of that doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. His, his classmates would be the other people he meets there. And there'd be this whole progression to it. And really the Dursleys are, you know, they're quite put upon in this scenario. Or or they're abusive, I don't know, either way. But because they try sending him to that special school, St. Brutus's, I think. That's true, yeah. That could be an early attempt to, you know, get him straightened out, fix him, and it doesn't work. So they have yeah. to send him to Hogwarts. I'm not done. I have two of my favourite things are the appar apparition, apparition, apparate, yeah, apparition. Well, anyway, they're teleporting lessons, right? Because it's like getting a driving license. Yeah. But the fun thing is, throughout all the books, it's never explained how it's done, so it's fine. You assume it's some mystical, complex process. No, when you actually get to the lessons, and I forget which book um, later in the series, the instructions are basically, yeah, just sort of imagine where you want to go. Just really imagine. Really imagine going there and then step forward. Yeah. And then maybe you get there. Maybe part of you gets there. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll end up in another person, which right. I'm pretty sure was something which happened. I think so. Mm. Yeah. So it seems safe. Absolutely. What terrifying. happens if you apparate someone? You're imagining where you want to be, and, you know, they built a bypass there. <laughs> so you just apparate into a concrete pillar. Well, they found people within bypasses set into the concrete and assumed that they were mafia victims. Oh. Because, you know, the mafia has all this dealing with, like, in Italy and so on. They have dealings with construction and so on, and it's a very easy way to get rid of a body. No one will mm. ever find it in a bypass. But maybe, maybe they were wizards, trainee wizards. I think that is definitely the answer. Yep. 100%. 100%. And... The thing I really question is is the, the power. They keep talking about... So they're shown... Mad-Eye Moody shows them the three unforgivable curses. And he, said, yeah. he tells them, this is the word you say, right? There's no secret. This yeah. is the word you say. This is the wand motion. This is exactly how you kill a person or mind control them or torture them. Yeah. But don't do it. But it wouldn't matter if you did, kids, because even if you all pointed at me and tried to kill me or torture me, I forget which one it is, you'd probably just give me a headache. And the explanation for that is you guys aren't powerful enough yet. But at no point is the mechanics of gaining power explained. It's not like yeah. leveling up in a game when you have experience. Presumably some sort of training is involved, but they never do like mental focus training, no. anything at all. It's just, do you have an innate power level? And then once you have a certain age, it just manifests. Yeah, you just gain it with every year. You just get better. Maybe that's power. it. It's just experience. Or it's like a salary that just climbs after six months, you get this bonus. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. But it's never explained and it infuriates. Yeah, now one day and they just say, Oh, congratulations, you've reached level six. Boom. Now, now, now you can kill people. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> but that's the only interesting combat spell, because all the others are daft. So we live in a world where Marvel and DC are constantly bring back the older superheroes. They seem to be dredging the minds of superheroes from 
further and further back, bringing back Ant-Man. That's what you do right? with mines, you dredge them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and all the delicious gold comes out. My father was a mine dredger. <laughs> um, <laughs> he dredged many a mine. Yeah. But So what they're doing is they're bringing back all of these slightly less exciting superheroes because they're, in a sense, running out. The more minor superheroes. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering what new and slightly odd ideas for superheroes have you got? Oh, so if I were suddenly called into the boardroom, like, listen, guys, we know Superman has been around a while, but we've just we made too many films. We need new, fresh ideas. What do you got? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I draw inspiration from a couple of unconventional superheroes that have actually existed. I don't know if you've heard of Angle Grinder Man. Oh, in real life, this is. Yeah. 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 So here's his deal, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Australia. Was it Australia? Possibly. Okay, well, he was a vigilante, but a masked vigilante, and I think he had a cape, and a website, and a special anonymous phone number you could call to get him to come out and cut the clamp off of your car. Mm-hmm. Well, Angle Grinder Man was having none of it, and you'd call him, and he'd show up with an angle grinder and cut through the clamp and then disappear into the night. Yeah. And that's, I, I mean, that's great. I so, assume governments hate him. So how, how would your superhero uh, evolve on this? Well... I think really at the centre of the superhero experience, there's kind of, there's two threads, right? And the one of them is nerdy power fantasy, Mm. right? So like, what if I was just the best guy? Like, I know I'm being bullied in school, but imagine if I was just stronger than all the bullies with no effort, right? That's what you, you know, you get Superman. Superman is just, what if all the things? He can fly, he's super strong, nothing can destroy him. Heat vision. Yeah, super breath. Somehow, I, I think he can freeze things too. Oh, oh yeah, he just he kind of blows things away. Mm. He does whatever he wants. He flies around the Earth in order to reverse time. You cannot mess with Superman, except with a special glowing green rock they invented just to give him a weakness. So, Superman aside. But yeah, it's a power fantasy thing, and it's a social justice thing. Mm-hmm. Because any vigilante at the core of the experience is righting some form of wrong. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of day-to-day wrongs that your average superhero doesn't really get bogged down into. Batman is concerned with organised crime, although he does go about resolving it by beating up individual thugs, as far as I can tell. Okay, so you're thinking along the lines of queue jumper man, who just, people who jump queues, he automatically knows where they are. He has like this sense. Yeah. Like, my queue jumping sense is tingling. And he goes there and just, what does he do? Just punches them. <laughs> Starts beating on them, sends them to prison. The, the powers are, I think, divorced from their mission, is the thing. Because mm. Batman, there's nothing about being a, a billionaire in Gotham fighting one of his crime. That means you have to be a bat. That's just, they just, it, it's like they rolled two dice, right? Yeah. And that's what they got. Billionaire dresses like a bat. Boom. Batman, <laughs> right? Spider-Man, like, again... You know, all the stuff. So he could be whatever you want. Maybe he's got gravity powers. Maybe, mm. you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But he specialises in cues and the jumping thereof. And I think if you could, provided you could mass produce superheroes that have lots, it might be better to specialise and to just have lots of generic ones, like in a workforce. Mm. So you essentially have a lot of superhero bouncers, but specialised bouncers for different tasks. Yeah, well, isn't, isn't any law enforcement person a bouncer, essentially? Well, yeah. Yeah. Bouncing people into prison. Exactly. <laughs> My superheroes uh, are of a more um, power-based thing. Okay, you so go the other direction. One of mine is uh, Friction. Ooh. So this is a, uh, a superhero who can control the power of Friction. I like that. So there's a lot of people who can control, you know, gravity or, or elementals like storms, 
yeah, fire, yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, this guy's friction. So, but he's also super strong. Okay. So, so what he can do is he can touch people and on contact with them establishes huge amounts of friction. Okay. So he can just basically grab someone and basically stick his body to them and swing them off into space. <laughs> into space? <laughs> well, maybe not quite as far as space, but just, like, launch them huge distances. I like that you went, you went straight to space. <laughs> and this reminds me, this is such a stupid little nugget of information from my brain, but if you want to delve in there for a second, you remember Pokemon cards used to have a little fact about the Pokemon at the bottom? Mm. And they were fascinating because no one at Nintendo had any idea of, like, power creep or balancing because... Machamp, he was the big muscly dude with forearms. The fact was, he can punch opponents clear over the horizon. Wow. Yeah, with a, with a punch, like a muscle-driven, not even like some mystical force. He just punches you and you fly, I don't know how far, but the horizon is very far away, my friend, let me tell you. Yeah, miles. Yeah. So similarly, Friction Man would show up to a Q-jumping incident or whatever <laughs> and grasp the, you know, the wrongdoer by just a mm. finger and fling them into space. Incidentally, he uh, was instrumental in uh, the 1960s for the space program. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, do we use rocket f- fuel? No, we've got friction. He's on the case. So he just touched the spaceship and launched it into space. I like I like that he'd be called in for any, any spacefaring, but also <laughs> any just friction-related incidents like... Oh, my brake pads are wearing out. <laughs> That's okay, Friction Man is on the case. And then and he, do, he just jumps on the front of your car and puts his hands down. Yeah, whenever you like, call out the window. Like, well, like, I'd like to slow down now. It would be good if um, he had no control. It was either on or off, his friction though. So they were driving along. It's like, I'd like to slow down now. And he just goes, Doof, friction on. And your car launches over the top of it. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like the idea of, of superheroes that are employed by the government, but they're laughably inept yeah, at so controlling inept. their powers. Yeah. Because they all get very good very fast, right? If you watch a superhero film, if you watch like one of the Spider-Mans, there's been so many reboots, but... Um, so in it, he discovers his power in the course of high school or whatever. And I'm, I'm picturing Friction Man being very good at rugby mm. or similar, right? Because he just touch you and then that would be it for you, essentially. Or he'd be great in like, I don't know, many sports. Well, he'd never let go of the ball. That's true. It would be impossible for them to get the ball. Very frustrating for the, the rest of his teammates. Incredibly. <laughs> Pass the ball. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just not. No can do. And then they go through that brief period where they can't control the awesome power, mm. right? And then they get good at it very quickly. And then usually they just have a suit. Or yes. maybe they'll start off in a worse version of the suit that they clearly oh, yeah. made. That's pretty much every time. Right. But then they show up and they have the actual suit and its provenance is unexplained. <laughs> right? They just suddenly became incredibly good at needlework. Mm. Which is I like I like the idea of lesser known superhero abilities. I think there's a TV Tropes article about this, right? Because if your powers don't come by themselves, if you're super fast at running like the flash, mm-hmm. you also have to be able to tolerate unbelievable wind resistance. Yeah. So there's all these auxiliary powers that have to exist. And it seems every superhero has the power to make badass costumes out of spandex. Mm. For Friction, I think his costume would kind of break the mould on convention. It would just be things he'd found which he liked (laughs) and he just stuck to himself. He's like, oh, a shiny pan. And he just sticks it as a kind of breastplate. I like that. So he has this collection of junk which makes up his, his superhero suit. He's just clanking around constantly. He's like a human Katamari ball. What the hell is a Katamari <laughs> ball? Is that like calamari? Is it squid? I'd like that, but no, it's another nerd reference, this time from a series of games that I have not played, but they involve... <laughs> they, I think the King of Space tells you... Are you the Prince of... I don't know. There's some weird plot. They're made by Nintendo, I'm pretty sure. 
um, and you have to roll around this ball of things, okay? And it starts off very small, and it's like, imagine GTA, okay? But instead of driving around and shooting people, you are pushing a sphere, like, mm. a, like a human dung beetle. And the sphere gets bigger as it rolls over things. Benches, fire hydrants, whatever. Eventually, entire buildings. Well, that's what would, what would happen if Friction uh, lost control of his powers. Oh, you know, there's occasionally things where they, they get too powerful as mm -hmm. a plot device. Usually or, as a villain, I think. Yeah, but sometimes the heroes themselves, they can't control their power anymore. And it starts getting right. bad. And people are like, oh, they're a villain, but they're just having a tough time with things. Of course. But he starts just attracting everything. He sticks to <laughs> everything. And the things he sticks to also stick to things. So he just kind of makes this giant snowball of junk which is rolling around. Oh god, that's genuinely terrifying. Yeah. Like a sort of just a universal magnet out of control. Yeah. See, I can imagine Magneto, you know, just kind of losing it for a little while mm. and you're just, you know, just being encased in metals. <laughs> I'd like it if Magneto could, yeah, only turn on and off his power. He had no direction. Or right. directionality. He was just like, I am magnetic or I am not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he he would uh, he basically be a walking MRI machine. Right. He would hurt like he'd give people cancer, right? Or no. Well, no, but he would just if you're wearing a watch, he'd rip it from you right. or, or rip your, your wrist off. If you had a pacemaker, that's gone. Oh god. Hips like artificial hips, are Hip they magnetic or um, because non-ferrous metals are usually okay, right? It's specific metals, iron, nickel, I think. I think I'm not sure. steel, you do get some steel. Well, steel is an alloy of iron, so that is yeah, pretty magnetic. magnetic. Yeah. So that could get badly. Aluminium's fine, though, I think. I don't know what they make hips out of. I don't know either. Well, we should find out. But yeah, that would be Hip terrifying. replacement, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Magneto would be the leader of the um, the Decepticons or whatever. What are, what are they called? What are the bad X-Men? I forget. The Decepticons. I can't remember. That's from Transformers. It is, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what they're called. Okay, well, we're bad people, but he wouldn't be their leader. If his deal was just to either attract metal or repel it, <laughs> yeah. then no, there's no. that's not useful. Because someone would be like, haha, I've got a knife, and you'd be like, well... <laughs> well, if you could repel it, you'd be okay. I guess. But if it was just a trap... <laughs> <laughs> like a gun, just to, like attract. Would it attract the bullet out of the gun first? Ooh, it depends how powerful it is. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because yeah, imagine someone's just threatening you with a gun, and you're like, "Haha, my magnet powers!" And you turn them on, and they just <laughs> right, and you're just yeah, shot right in the center of mass. Wouldn't be good. Yeah, they'd be like, "Oh my god, I didn't mean to." Another superhero idea I had was for a guy called Polaroid. Oh, okay. This is a guy who, going back to invisibility, can yeah. go invisible. Okay, at will. Yeah, at will. Cool. But his fatal flaw, which I think a lot of good superheroes have, mm. not like the kryptonite one, mm. an actual decent flaw, is that <laughs> he has epilepsy. Oh, but that's a significant one. And whenever he has a seizure, he becomes visible. Oh, uh, I think I get where you're going with this. Because so, he shakes? Yeah, because with a, po <laughs> with a Polaroid, um, you can't see it unless you shake it. Well, you can, but people like to shake Polaroid pictures to make that, them visible quicker. Is that just a thing people like to do? Yeah, it has no effect, it's turned out. But oh, seriously? It just evolved as a thing. That's disappointing. Because is it that it, the whatever chemicals need to dry out or something to make it visible? I think that was the logic, but I don't think that's it. I think it's to do with light. Oh, I see. Exposure. Light exposure. But if you wave it, presumably it catches more photons. <laughs> exactly. Okay, in the same way as this, uh, this guy, this epileptic Polaroid guy. Yeah, Polaroid. So he would just, um, to, to avoid being, you know, attacked by Polaroid, you just surround your place with strip lights. Right. You'd be a very inconspicuous, like, organised crime headquarters. Yeah. Just so many lasers, just pulsing lights everywhere. But you'd, you'd make your base a nightclub. 
Yeah. Essentially, which I think uh, a guy in Batman, there is a fight, I think, in the second Batman, where he shows up to a club and just starts beating the hell out of people under a strobe, and it looks pretty cool. I like the idea of, um, because the Joker is, the Joker's a clown, fundamentally, right? The clown prince of crime. Yes. And people are scared of clowns. They're a a benign but much maligned profession, because I imagine most clowns mean well. They're people who want to make kids laugh. Yeah. They just go about it in a slightly strange way, (laughs) you know, to each their own. But the the Joker is terrifying, like done well, he's terrifying because he just laughs and laughs and then he does terrible things. And I wonder what other sort of fairly mundane or at least inoffensive jobs you could transform, like rubbish collector man, right? (laughs) He's had enough of your waste and he's back for revenge. Well, he'd be a villain, yeah. Or plumbing man. I've had enough of your crap. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe if he worked in, in sewers. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, much like the Underminer at the end of The Incredibles. Yes. Nothing is beneath... No, what is it? I am always beneath you, but nothing is beneath me. Oh, I'm so excited for Incredibles too. Me too. Very much so. I like that in The Incredibles they have the stylist, right? The costume doesn't come from nowhere. Yeah. They go to Edna Mode. No capes. Yeah, no capes. Which I wonder whether it's just because they didn't want to animate them. Possibly. But that's where Angle Grinder Man went wrong. What if his Angle Grinder had caught in his cape? That would have been disastrous. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because they got a big spinning... Yeah, no, that would not have been good, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. There was... This is another real-life one, actually, and I don't know as much about this guy, but he was, I think, Swedish? Swiss? I think Swedish. Um, And I can't remember what country this was, but it, it was not Sweden, okay? So he had an accent. And he dressed as a musketeer. And the story goes... That someone returning home, I think a little intoxicated mm. from their lawful business, um, was accosted by ne'er-do-wells in some alley. Right. Um, whereupon, this musketeered Swede <laughs> appears to threaten the, uh, you know, the prospective mugger with a rapier. And, wow. you know, and talk smack about his honour and such like. <laughs> a very sort of flowery, old-fashioned language. And saves this person's life, escorts them home. And that was his deal, was he would find, you know, innocence in danger and help them out in his musketeer outfit. That's and, amazing. Yeah. He was apparently arrested at one point. Oh. But, well, you know, carrying a sword, I guess, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But apparently various members of the local community spoke up for him because mm. of, you know, the way he'd rescued them. There's, okay, no joke. In my um, in a town close to where I live uh, called Yeovil, Yeovil, uh, Yeovil in, Yeovil. Som- Yeovil in Somerset. Okay, there was uh, and perhaps still is a man, a vigilante who took uh, things into his own hands, who would dress up as a ninja, and he would hide in bushes uh, by parks where he knew miscreants hung out. Are we sure he's a superhero? Because hiding in bushes in parks. <laughs> and he'd he dress as a ninja okay. and then he'd like challenge people and occasionally I think occasionally come to violence with them Amazing. Um, over their behaviour did he know kung fu or ninjutsu or whatever I think he knew some kind of martial art Okay. Yeah. because it would be so disappointing to me if just you know some rather idealistic but misguided nerd in a ninja outfit was just like, you know, unhand him, miscreant. And then he's like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And punches him out. And that's the end of Ninja Man. <laughs> end of story. Yeah, that would be sad to me. Yeah. But I'm glad. I, I like to hope that he he kicked all kinds of ass. I don't think they were very high profile crimes that he was addressing. It was like loitering. <laughs> loitering. <laughs> so a lot of the time, they made a documentary about him or about 
but it was part of a documentary series about a group of people who do this kind of thing. Okay. And uh, so in the footage of one, there's a bit where he <laughs> he challenges these people, like he's hiding in a bush, right. and some people just come along and start loitering, like youths in hoods. Wow. And he just goes out and like stands up from this bush, this bush, and they all look over at him, <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell is going on? And he just walks up, he's like, "What well, lads? Uh, yeah, you're not really supposed to to hang around here, so do you want, do you want to move?" And they, they were just like non plus. Do they just leave or do they, they did eventually come to blows? because they didn't want to? He was just a very strange man. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Well, he used the force of his strangeness as a weapon for good. That's fantastic. I like that. But I loitering. That's I don't know. I know I initially supported the idea of superheroes doing fairly mundane tasks, <laughs> but I'm no longer certain. Loitering is such a non crime. I don't know. It was like loitering, and I, they might have spray painted some stuff or something. Okay, well that's a bit more. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about loitering. I, on the one hand, I mean, I also feel threatened by groups of aggressive-looking youths. You know, uh, youths. Yeah, but um, I realize <laughs> like we mock because we are youths, but. They can, you know, people can look pretty aggressive. There's yeah. something about hanging around in a gang with hoodies, and you don't know, because you know some people are going to be aggressive, so you have to assume. Um, but on the other hand, just being in a place, if you're not trespassing, it seems such a mean thing to do. Yeah, it was like place. a car park. It was not. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like you have to do something bad. You have to at least be yelling at passers-by before it actually becomes an offence, I'd like to hope. Mm. So yeah, no, Loitering Man is is out, I think, of the roster. <laughs> loitering, loitering Man just sounds like a, a man who is loitering. That's true, to be he fair. He just loiters not... in wait for people. Yeah, they're not really named after their uh, the crimes they solve, are they? Mm. Huh. I'm trying to think of the stupid, stupidest superheroes I've actually heard of, and I think... Well, you, you told me before about Florida Man. Oh, that's right. The, yeah, you, well, you go ahead and explain. Well, I think you should, because I don't really understand. You know it better than I do. Okay, well, all there is to know about Florida Man is that he is the composite of all the various headlines you see about, you know, Florida Man arrested over, you know, fistfight over hamburger, Mm. or Florida Man invites alligator into home (laughs) and subsequently devoured by it, or Florida Man drops kick baby into bush, or, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, I'm making these up, but if you Google Florida Man, I promise you will come up with a million absolutely absurd headlines. And so the dream is that these are all about the same person, because they don't specify a name in the headline. It could be Florida Man leading this incredible life. You don't know. I'd watch that superhero uh, TV show or film. Definitely, because the headlines don't make him out to be... He's not a run-of-the-mill guy, certainly, but he's also not a very likeable guy. He's got a real anti-hero <laughs> bent to him because he's always getting involved in petty crime, petty but absurd crimes, all sorts of injuries. He's obviously died many, many times. <laughs> yeah. So he's got regeneration property. Yeah, you can extrapolate some of his powers, I think. Um, and definitely coming back from the dead is one of them. A hatred of alligators, I think, is probably one of them. Yes, well, that's kind of universal at this point, given recent events. Um, this will become dated now because I've made it topical, but a child was recently eaten by a crocodile. What? Did you not hear about this? I have this? not heard of this. Oh, gosh. Well, I wish I had the details now, but I haven't really read into it much. But I think at one of the Disney theme parks in the States, um, a child... And this comes hot on the heels of a child falling into that gorilla yeah. enclosure. Yeah. Uh, was it a child? I think it was a child. It was a toddler, yeah. But no, no, no. I mean, I think this was another child, but in any case, someone was killed by a crocodile and this has obviously spawned a lot of slightly tasteless jokes in which people make you know talk about the tiktok croc in peter pan Mm. stuff like that and also people have been finding all sorts of souvenirs and 
Uh, I think there's a sleeping bag in the shape of a crocodile that is, like, eating your child. And you, well, I mean, this hasn't been made subsequently. I think it existed yeah. before, but people are rediscovering them. So, yeah, it's pretty grim times. I do not endorse uh, the consumption of humans by alligators, not in any way. I've forgotten the original <laughs> and, point. And I would say to the alligator community, please stop. Um, <laughs> we've had enough. You've had your fill, and it's time to move on. If you're eating a child right now, please, we encourage you to stop, apologise, and leave. And possibly return it to its parents. So, here I am in my cave, uh, listeners. Adriano vanished into the light, which he could see but I could not. And uh, now he's gone. So I'm just waiting in this cave alone. It's very dark in here, so I can't actually see the way out. We went around quite a few corners on the way here. So I might just wait here until the inevitable end. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. But um, yeah, this is it. Time to die. Oh! Oh, I'm back! Handy! Handy, it was incredible! Adriano, can you wait a minute, please? I'm, I'm waiting to die currently. No, no, you know, it was... Oh, the things I've seen, the things I've become... Handy, I've returned, empowered, and renewed. I'm no longer the Adriano you knew. I am now... Anticlimax Man! With the power to... Well, nothing too much, really. So this has been the Hypotheticals Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at Hypotheticals. That's Hypotheticals without the R. Uh, We Also, if you could uh, review us on iTunes, we should be up on iTunes shortly, uh, depending on how these podcasts go. If you're Um, listening to this in the future, though, we are there and have been there for years. And we're doing great without you. Thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) Still review us, please. We are sustained entirely by your positive feedback. Yes, uh, but if people want to get in contact with us, Adriano, on the Twitters, uh, how would they do so? I'm at Mr. Howl, M-R-H-O-W-L, and you, Andy, are... I'm at Rain Tortoise. That's rain, the weather, tortoise, the animal. So there we are. See you next time. Bye! to die now. <laughs> <laughs> and finally the sweet voice of death.